You're listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast, the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government representation in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Dilovan Perwari. This episode features an interview with Yadgar Mirani, an intelligent young man with a promising future. Yadgar is the co-founder and CEO of Lazoo, one of the hottest startup tech companies in Kurdistan and the rest of Iraq that provides on-demand delivery service. But before the interview, here is the latest news about the Kurdistan region and the rest of Iraq. As we discussed in previous episodes, negotiations over disputes between the KRG and Baghdad have been ongoing for several months. Fortunately, relations have been warming up in recent weeks. Early in September, the Iraqi Prime Minister Mustafa Akademi paid his first visit to Kurdistan since he took office. He first arrived to Erbil and met with the former Kurdistan region president, Masoud Barzani, who is also the leader of the Kurdistan Democratic Party. He also met with the current Kurdistan region president, prime minister, and deputy prime minister. In his meetings, Kadami repeated his cabinet's readiness to resolve disputes in a way that serves the interest of all Iraqi peoples. And later, he visited Duhok, Sleimani, and Halabja. The U.S. ambassador to Iraq, Matthew Tuller's visit to Kurdistan in mid-September, was another major development. Ambassador Tuller held meetings with the former president of the Kurdistan region, Masoud Barzani, as well as with the current president and prime minister. In the meetings, Ambassador Tuller expressed Washington's willingness to further enhance economic ties with the Kurdistan region and boost American investments. He also expressed the United States' commitment for resolving the disputes between the KRG and Baghdad according to the Iraqi constitution. During his visit, in a press conference with the minister of Peshmerga, Tuller announced that the U.S. has pledged about $250 million in military equipment to the Kurdistan region. Equally as important was Ambassador James Jeffrey's visit to Kurdistan. On September 22nd, the U.S. Special Representative for Syria Engagement and the Special Envoy to the Global Coalition to Defeat ISIS, Ambassador James Jeffrey met with the former Kurdistan region president, Masoud Barzani, as well as the current president and prime minister. The U.S. ambassador highlighted the importance of continued U.S. support for the Kurdish Peshmerga and Iraqi forces to fight ISIS. He also underscored the Kurdistan region's positive role concerning multiple issues in both Iraq and Syria. He praised the efforts of President Masoud Barzani and the role of KRG in bringing the Kurdish forces in southeast Syria, or Rojava, together. To elaborate Ambassador Jeffrey's comments, the main Syrian Kurdish blocs, the Kurdish National Unity Parties and the Kurdish National Council, have been holding unity talks for about seven months. On June 17th, they had reached an initial agreement based on the Dohok Agreement, which was sponsored by the former Kurdistan region president, Masoud Barzani, in 2014. And later on September 22nd, the two sides agreed to form a supreme Kurdish reference that will decide the political strategy of the Kurdish movement in Syria. Now, the deal was reached in the presence of the top American diplomat in northern Syria, Ambassador William Robach. On the humanitarian side, the trauma of the genocide committed by ISIS against the Yazidi community in August 2014 continues to haunt nearly all of the Yazidi community. A recent report published by Doctors Without Borders argues that the Yazidi community is experiencing a severe mental health crisis, including a high number of suicides and suicide attempts. Shireen was the most recent victim. She was a mother whose husband and son were killed by ISIS in 2014. She committed suicide by setting herself on fire in Khanke IDP camp in early September. 
Currently, about 220,000 displaced Yazidis are living in the Kurdistan region. And Shireen, like hundreds of others, was one of the displaced who was suffering from severe depression. Turning to the KRG activities in the U.S. The KRG representative, Bayan Abdurrahman, has been holding virtual meetings with U.S. officials. Earlier this month, she joined David Copley, the State Department's Deputy Assistant Secretary for Iraq, as a guest of the U.S. Kurdistan Business Council. The two brief members about the U.S.-Kurdistan relations and the opportunities for greater economic ties. Finally, we have another exciting update on culture. Kurdish actor Ahmed Bozan won the award for Best Actor for his role in Caliphate, a Swedish drama series. Bozan was born in the city of Diyarbakir, in Kurdistan of Turkey. He moved with his family to Sweden when he was three years old. Now, the interview with Yadgar. Yadgar Mirani is the co-founder and CEO of Lazuri, one of the hottest startups in Kurdistan and Iraq, which provides an on-demand delivery service. Lazu is the first startup company in Kurdistan and Iraq to be accepted by Y Combinator, an accelerator that provides seed funding for startups, which is also the accelerator for Airbnb, DoorDash, and other well-known startups. Welcome to the show, Yadgar. Thank you very much, Garg Levan. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure having you. You were born in Kurdistan, and that's where you completed your high school education, and later you attended university in the UK where you completed your bachelor's in politics and business and master's in political and legal philosophy. So before discussing your business, Lazu, do you have a favorite political philosopher that you want to share with us? Well, that's a, that's a lovely question. Um, I would say I have a list, but um, Emmanuel Kant wins uh, among uh, everyone else. Um, I think he did a... Um, a great job in terms of recon- reconciling between um, experiences and logic, so um, having practice and theory together. Whereas, uh, let's say, uh, um, other philosophers such as David Hume were more focused on uh, experiences, not so much on logic as well. Um, though Immanuel Kant, with his academic background, I think um, did a quite compelling job in terms of reconciling the two and coming up with a synth- synthetic approach. So uh, Immanuel Kant definitely wins among them all. The German philosopher. Correct. Yes. Great. And on your international relations side, which IR theories are more compelling to you? Well, this is, <laughs> I hope I don't uh, raise any controversies by uh, giving my uh, judgment on, on, on this point. But uh, for me, as far as I remember, uh, Kenneth Waltz, um, the founding father of neorealism, um, was the most compelling to me, since I uh, believe that he takes the most pragmatic uh, approach uh, in describing how the international system is set up. And uh, um, I believe that he um, challenged the new, uh, the liberal and the neoliberal, as well as the former uh, realist uh, thinkers, by introducing um, his new idea of how we should view the international order. He challenged the classical realist and uh, liberal uh, hegemony that we're currently in, basically. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Great. Now, what inspired you to pursue business over politics? Um, well, first of all, I think politics was something that's something that's independent of business and 
everything else that we can think of. Uh, I think everything has its own politics. Um, this is why, for me, um, despite my enthusiasm into politics, uh, and both as a theoretical side and histor- history of politics, uh, um, I believe that economy, which you can also call business, plays a very important role, especially in the world we live in today, um, that is so interconnected um, via, let's say, technology. Um, I think economy plays a higher role um, in in terms of connecting us um, across the world, and it overcomes barriers that were formerly imposed on let's say conventional businesses so um at the same time it's so rapidly growing that um there may be chances where technology may through the means of economy may exceed uh politics and we yet again need politics to regulate the ways in which uh, technology will be um let's say ruling the world in the coming future so um I, I believe that they're all quite interconnected, and um, but at the same time, politics is something that you know has its own lenses on every discipline you can uh, think of. So, in a way, you're a liberal realist, in essence. <laughs> well, you, I mean, <laughs> you, you can say. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about Lazu. If I'm not mistaken. It is the pioneer in online food delivery service in Kurdistan and Iraq. How did you come up with the idea? Well, um, when I was studying in London, um, I was myself a quite frequent customer of um, the new delivery businesses that just, um, let's say, launched in the UK. Uh, One of them was uh, Just Eat. Um, which is the Grab GrabHub equivalent uh, in the UK. And then the other one was called Gin, which is the DoorDash equivalent, because the two have two different models. One is that you forward the order to the restaurants. The other one, you forward and you deliver for the restaurant. So once I started using these services, um, I was just fascinated by the model. Um, and I thought that this can very well work um, in, in Kurdistan and in Iraq and in the Middle East. So um, that's when I realized, I remember I was on my second year of my bachelor's and my friends uh, were asking me, Yad, what is, what are you going to do once you finish your studies? And I was very certain on what I was going to do. And I said, I will go back to Kurdistan and launch a um, food delivery app. Now, where do you operate and what are your plans for the future? So we operate in Erbil, Duhok and Suleimania. Um, also, we have gone from a food, we're no longer only a food delivery um, application. We actually deliver um, food, groceries, pharmaceuticals, beverages, and we have on-demand services such as um, pet, uh, pet walking, um, let's say uh, on-demand nurses that can come and check your blood and see um, if you want to have any kind of, let's say, medical consultancy. And at the same time, we have services such as disinfection and cleaning. So it's uh, we started as a food delivery app. Now we have expanded our product into offering what, all kinds of uh, on-demand services. Um, Our vision is to expand in the rest of Iraq. Um, We want to become the first unicorn startup in Iraq. And 
to become a unicorn startup requires a lot of time and effort and focus, um, though we are optimistic that if um, with the with the existing team that we have and if the government, let's say, of, of Kurdistan region and of the central uh, government of Iraq uh, start focusing on let's say, easing the regulations on these startups and these, um, let's say, entrepreneurs, especially the youth entrepreneurs, we believe that the coming, let's say, uh, revolution um, of, let's say, a a boost in in the economies of uh, Kurdistan and Iraq can be uh, uh, shifted and transformed quite dramatically. So um, despite that, I mean, the past two and a half years, we have already... um, achieved um, for being the first Iraqi Kurdistan and Kurdistani startup to apply and be accepted in the Y Combinator program. And we are the first uh, startup as well to uh, raise the largest seed round in the country. So um, we are quite um, dedicated and determined and keep breaking those records. But this is what we have done so far on our own, um, that we uh, are wishing that we can one day give, let's say, our point of view of how an economy can, let's say, be accelerated or boosted, we can also give our input to um, the public sector and the government, uh, governmental institutions. Absolutely. Your feedback and experience is very valuable and uh, gives them a better insight of what is needed on the ground. Now, as far as challenges, what challenges are you experiencing in the Kurdistan region and Iraq uh, because of the COVID-19? So the most challenges we faced was in March, April, and May um, with the with the lockdowns and, um, of course, the, the reduction of government uh, offices. This was um, really challenging um, in the sense that a lot of what we had in our, in our vision was actually delayed and postponed. And um, of course, the Kurdistan region slowly started to take a different approach. I mean, recently, as far as I'm aware, that all the government hours have been resumed. Um, the working hours have resumed, which is really, really important. And it has uh, boosted the economy once again. So things are going on quite good track. But within those three months, there was a lot of um, uncertainty among all sides, not only just businesses. I think it was a huge challenge for um, from, from private and public sector, both because of the uncertainty that ex- was going around all over the world. But um, apart from that, there hasn't been um, challenges. Of course, the COVID-19 outbreak has been uh, has caused a health crisis all across the world. But um, at the end of the day, I think economies need to function and they need to go forward regardless of what are the issue is because the the most uh, strongest catastrophe that can happen is an economic crash. And that is something that can be far, can have far greater um, negative consequences on us than anything else we can imagine. Okay. On the security side, are there any security challenges? On the security side, no, not in, not in, uh, not in the Kurdistan region. Um, we have not had any issues in terms of that. Um, we haven't expanded yet to, as I said, to the rest of Iraq. Um, so in terms of security, we are quite, um, uh, we're, 
we're in contact and in communication with the uh, local authorities and we make sure that we comply with all the uh, regulations that are in there to make sure that um, the the integrity of, of, of the security we have in, in the region is maintained. So um, we haven't faced any kind of security issues thus far. Now let's talk about the, the Nainava Investment Forum. You attended the forum and that's where you connected with an investor, which is essentially a US-based company. Tell me a bit about the experience. Well, um, when we came to the Nainava Investment Forum, we already had raised um, quite um, almost half of more than half of our round in the US, um, though there was still um, the other half pending. So in the in, in Nainava Investment Forum, um, we were fortunate enough to present to a list of investors uh, with of what we had to offer. I mean, previously, um, agriculture and oil have been the two main, um, let's say, industries that have been proposed for the, let's say, foreign investment. And we were completely different and in, in, in the sense that we were not in these two conventional categories. We were offering something, let's say, more scalable and a lot more, let's say, um, um, contemporary so with that in the nif i think we um we were the 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 most trending let's say um story among every other uh, company that was presenting there and the usaid quite helped us to further uh, uh, commit with the investors and to extend our conversations with them so ever since then, I mean, we did propose to the investors of what we had in our vision and where we want to be. And so far, we've been achieving all those uh, milestones. Um, so we're confident, and I think they have their confidence in, in us as well. So um, the NIF was great. And I think more events such as the NIF can be quite helpful. But if the focus is mostly on startups that focus on, let's say, um, tech-enabling services. So... I'm looking forward for more of these events. Hopefully, Lezu one day can um, can be organizing these events in cooperation with the government. Now, let's talk about KRG. KRG takes pride in having some of the best investment laws in the Middle East. Yet, it is still challenging to attract foreign investment. From your experience, what are the main challenges that businesses encounter in attracting foreign investment, especially American investors? I think the most challenging part is the lack of insight in the market. So we don't have enough data um, to present to investors in terms of what is the potential market size in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. And investors in the U.S. quite um, take the market sizing as one of the key metrics of knowing what is the potential, let's say, opportunity for an investor to go forward. Um, So for us, it was quite challenging to size the market. For U.S. investors especially, I mean, the, the U.S. market, we're talking about a multi-trillion dollar market compared to what we have in, in, in Iraq or the Kurdistan region. So um, though um, any market that is in the range of, let's say, 1 billion and plus 1 billion um, is usually seen as a opportunity for U.S. investors to engage in those markets. So we had to take our own data and use those as assumptions to project what could be the potential market size for these investors. And um, fortunately, that the, this, these assumptions were based on actual data 
um, not that we assumed entirely of what the potential demand for from customers can be. We showed them that here is the demand of the customers and here where we can be in, let's say, the next few years. So this is something I think is really important that the KRG should uh, consider is to have some kind of um, organization that can gather this data and present this data. And I think currently um, the new cabinet is working on this. Um, uh, Yevgak Nozad from the um, for information and media um, sector, who's working on creating some kind of, let's say, dashboard that can present to um, investors in the future to know what are the what's coming in the market, what's going out of the market, and what how can we size the market. And this is the most important part. And you're right in the sense that the the barriers to entry in the Kurdistan region are much lower than the ones in Iraq. Um, for us, setting up, let's say, a company or having to deal with some legal paper in the Kurdistan region will take us maximum, let's say, 12 days. In, in Baghdad, on the other hand, it will take you minimum two and a half to three months. And there's a lot more, uh, let's say, load on Baghdad that is in KRG. So you can expect, you can see how this can actually lead to uh, counterproductivity and can slow down, let's say, um, the growth of the market. And this is something that I think the Kurdistan region has been quite um, firm on by making sure that the treatment of foreign investors is uh, taken seriously and the ways in which businesses can establish um, are on a more straightforward path than compared to Iraq, though there is a lot of room for improvement. Now, what's your message for young Kurds or Kurdistanis who may want to start a business like yours or pursue another dream? My my message would be that, first of all, f- try to solve uh, problems that are have been existing for decades. So we are going through the delivery, let's say, um, the logistical problem. We're trying to find a solution for the logistical problem. And um, I would advise other entrepreneurs to focus on something else that can... Um, let's say, boost or unlock those problems into newer solutions. We have this thing in, in, in the Kurdistan region that for every um, startup or idea that takes off successfully, then this idea should be duplicated as much as possible because it's a successful model. But that's a misconception. Um, we didn't do this because it was, it was just a good idea. We worked really, really hard. And we did a lot of, uh, we put a lot of our effort into it in order to get to where we are today. And now that we've come here, we are going to make sure that we are going to be the sole service, one of the sole service providers of on-demand delivery services and logistic services. But there's so much more room for um, entrepreneurs to actually solve problems in the Kurdistan region. Very good advice. Now, we usually ask three common questions at the end of every interview. The first question is, when was the first time you heard about America? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, Dilovan. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I've, I've been thinking about that question in, in, in the sense that, like, it's, it's almost that we, we just knew America. It's not something we just heard the, 
America. We just knew America. I mean, I remember um, I used to watch Disney films and every place that these characters were was a reflection of America. And any film star that we knew was in America. I mean, I guess Hollywood. I think it's Hollywood. Must be Hollywood. (laughs) It probably is. Yeah. Yeah. The earliest, the earliest time you heard about it. Yeah. It is Hollywood. It was Hollywood for me too. Yeah. The second question, what is a word or phrase that sums up Kurdistan for you? What I've experienced in the Kurdistan region and what I've offered as a Kurd has always been on the principles of loyalty. And that's something I don't think I obtained from education or any other institution. Um, As I grew up in this region, this was something that was, uh, let's say, um, installed in me without even knowing how. But as far as I know and wherever I've been, I've always offered all the loyalty I have and even at times from someone who from the, from someone's perspective who is purely libertarian and wants to maximize the interest um, I the Kurdishness <laughs> the Kurdishness kicks in and brings loyalty first sure it can play in two two uh, two ways uh, that loyalty can be good and can be can be let's say um, detrimental at times but that is something that um, that when I when you say Kurdistan, I I think of loyalty. I agree with that. Now, what is a phrase or word that sums up America for you? Big <laughs> and power. Yeah, this is the two things that sums up America for me. Everything I've gone to come across in America has always been about that. Even during my uh, fundraising experience, it was still about that. <laughs> The states that I traveled to and I went to San Francisco, it was just, uh, it's, uh, it has the largest economy in the world. It has the most sophisticated military in the world and the largest, uh, yeah, and the largest uh, uh, um, military in the world. And uh, it, it is, the American dream is about that, is just to be big and to be powerful. And that's whenever someone says America, I think about power. And uh, yeah. Thank you for your time, Dr. Thank you, Dr. I appreciate it very much. Pleasure having you.